How long had she sat in silence? No Hellion, no Gartone, nothing but the quiet and the four blank walls and the memories of her failure. The utopia Hellion had promised, the world that would belong to the machines. It was lost to her forever, and yet Mayanda found herself dreaming of it every day, dreaming while she was still awake. Her imagined world was growing, filling in the space that the physical world had left behind when it shrunk into a 5 by 8 cell. It wasn't so bad, really, once she'd gotten used to it. In her head, she always won. She sat the throne in Starfall, not the sad excuse for a sovereign that was there now. There was a sound, a metallic clang that interrupted her reverie. Mayanda frowned in confusion. She didn't think it was mealtime. And then her cell door swung open with a kind of wild abandon, and it stayed that way. A human-looking man in shining star metal armor stepped through, a strange smile on his handsome, tattooed face as he looked at her. A Kellid, then. But he didn't seem like the others. Too clean-shaven and richly appointed to be a guard. But he didn't carry himself like an idle noble. And then his, his eyes. Mayanda could see purpose in those eyes. She wondered if hers used to look like that. He stopped just one step away from her cot, the door still hanging open behind him as if inviting her. He looked down into her eyes. Hello, Mayanda. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. I come bearing gifts. He produced from his pocket a small metal disc, which he held out for Mayanda to take. She stared at it, at the inscribed symbol of an eye surrounded by neat, symmetrical spikes, but kept her hands in her lap. Simple meant nothing to her. Don't insult me, dear girl. This isn't a trick. It's a gesture of friendship. This is Pot Against the Machine. Pot Against the Machine. Welcome back to Pot Against the Machine, the only Pathfinder actual play that counts 138, 139, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 140. I'm your host, and here's everybody. Hello. Hello. Thanks, Common Core Math. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. No time has passed since the last time we played Pathfinder, definitely. Uh, Previously on the program, the party after uh, the memorial for Asher spent some time in Torch. Uh, they took a little bit of time to recover from the emotional toll of the end of Book 3 and um, also set up a memorial for their departed friend, uh, do a little bit of shopping, a little bit of crafting, um, spend some time with the people in town, and meet up with a contact that Connor Bain had recently met a um, Nagaji by the name of Tarazi, who is not the biggest fan of the Technic League. Connor proposed that perhaps these people could help one another, and um, it seems an alliance has been formed, at least on a temporary basis. You know, I assume there's a trial period involved. After that, everyone um, 
finally took off on Long Dreamer, flew back to the Gorham Pots and the wreck of the duck lo- the wreck of the duck lake the re- <laughs> the wreck Quack. of the dusk light um where you know they haven't been back since bad things happened there and um that's where we are now before we get too deep into today's episode um things got pretty rough at the end of book three and um you all did amazing work both in overcoming some absurd challenges and in also role-playing in the face of just awful, awful things happening. So I wanted to take this opportunity to do a round of Sky Medals, complete with dedications. Um, Yay. So we're going to go... Th- we're going to go through them um, uh, one by one. I've got some fan Sky Medals here. Um, patrons of our show, of course, at the at any level can submit an unlimited number of Sky Medals, and we definitely need them to submit more because I'm about to use most of what we have. So first off, since you're to my right in Skype, Izzy, you get a Sky Medal from Bellandora. Bellandora states, Greetings, adventurer. A mysterious figure wearing a coat of many colors approaches. They hand you a candied cabbage-flavored goo tube. Good luck. You'll need it. Thanks, Bella. Uh, Continuing clockwise through my Skype window, Zach, yours is our first anonymous Sky Metal dedication from a fan. This fan simply states, great job, or, you know, something. (laughs) I am imagining that on a sticker now on mine. Great job with a nice, like, three, four space ellipses or something. (laughs) Thank you, Anonymous fan. We will continue doing a great job or at least something in your honor. We can indeed guarantee that we will do something. (laughs) And, uh, Jero, we were heading back to Bellandora. Bellandora says to you, may you roll high and take little damage. And um, Jeff, Jeff, we have a special one uh, for you that came in um, very, very poorly timed uh, from Mashin' Any Gun, a.k.a. Mac, um, who says, quite frankly, or quite simply, could you please award a Sky Medal to Jeff for playing a good character to the point of being reckless? His desire to get Asher to do the right thing, regardless of consequences, is always a treat. The dubious morality that surrounds him just makes it extra fun. May the sky metal pull you, or whoever you feel needs it, out of a jam. Oof, but thank you. (laughs) So thank you to everybody who sent those in. Now everybody should be a little bit more survivable. I think I've already got those in Roll20. I think I secretly did them last time so everybody's got a sky medal hopefully that helps hopefully we don't die quite as often in this book (laughs) thank you wonderful subscribers and the folks that submitted sky medals please do more sam won't give us any until you do more it's true he he literally said we don't get them no matter how heroic we are it's the rule faces even if i guess the page number he's on he said that that's more happen again (laughs) then he knocked an ice cream 
out of my hand. Yeah. I'm crossing things out so I remember what ones we've used. Um, all right, so you are all back at the dusklight. Well, Tarazi's not back at the dusklight. I mean, you're familiar with this wreck as it is. Um, you know, the power is back out again, so the everything it feels all slanted once more, and the water level is the same level that it was before. Will you be repowering the wreck, or will you be climbing in on a slant? And the slant makes it, like, difficult terrain. Is that the vibe? Yeah, basically. Everything's pitched at, like, a 30-degree angle, so it's all kind of difficult terrain. But theoretically, the monsters have been cleared out, at least of this part. Kind of feel robbed that the Pathfinder 1E system doesn't have a combat sub-combat system just for 30-degree inclined combat. That's why we play this. It may well have an entire alternate. It's the old Hills of San Francisco filter. Think we're going to power it back on? Yeah. I that'll assume? just take that'll just take a, a battery pressed up against that console at the the far end as you we did. Spare one of those. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a ton of batteries, right? Yeah, we have like a zillion batteries. Looking it up, but yeah, probably about a zillion. Approximately one zillion batteries. <laughs> Not to be confused with a zill's worth of batteries. Minus. Oof. Anything to avoid using the metric system. <laughs> uh, so popping a, a battery back on that console does bring the lights back up and the monitor comes back on with the simple welcome to the dusk light message. Um, and then you feel the strange equalization as the gravity compensation system, whatever it is, makes you feel like you're walking on flat ground even though you know that this thing is slanted as it sinks into the mud of the river. Forge on ahead. Does anything remain from those things we couldn't even identify the last time? Um, uh, just the the metal skeletons are left over as you head down to the second layer below the surface. I mean, there's there's nothing living in here, and you see the the metal assemblages of like just shining rods that they had used as skeletons that's all that's left of them the bodies kind of dissolved into mist and were washed away in, into the lake could we roll again since we just hit level 11 uh, yeah sure what what was it I'm, I'm sorry to call back I mean by that what, uh, what sort of knowledge should I roll uh, that would be a dungeoneering all right, my highest, but that's a 24. You make it by one. Oh yeah. These are alien creatures called Thorgothrell. Skeleton <laughs> of silver rods give these blob of protoplasma a roughly defined shape with an approximation of three arms and legs. Their outer skin shimmers with a rainbow of colors. Thorgothrells are a spacefaring race of ag aggressive genetic manipulators. In their natural form, Thorgothrells are blobs of protoplasm 12 feet in diameter that move with awkward undulation. These are very pod-appropriate monsters. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thorgothrells can extrude pseudopods in order to manipulate objects and form simple tools. These pseudopods excrete a complex cocktail of chemicals that can force changes to a victim's underlying genetic structure. Weighed down by Galarian's gravity, they are quick to sublimate into poisonous vapor in the atmosphere. Um, so they're not fans of the place. They can only move around in Galarian by wrapping their bodies in a frame of silver rods that provide inner support and encasing themselves in a force field barrier. Yeah, that's them. Once you depleted their barriers, they dissolved into poisonous gas. Thank you. I <laughs> I really, like, I hate not being able to make those knowledge checks, and Pathfinder can be brutal with it sometimes, because you move on, you don't want to go back. So, that's appreciate a, you indulging me. <laughs> a rare occasion where you actually re-explore. And this is, those guys are out of the back matter for uh, this book. So specifically created for the adventure. And probably the only place they've ever appeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's probably not much other uses for an alien slime that also needs an alien skeleton <laughs> exist. I mean, there are definitely some days that I feel exactly like that description, my friend, but <laughs> not what you mean. Oh, yeah. Awkward undulation. <laughs> the only way to get around. Alien slime with the alien skeleton. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, up here there were some... There were some blobby-doos. They were actually uh, uh, Thorgothrells. Uh, some rice from beyond the stars. Uh, they manipulate genetics and whack you. With the wibby wobbies. Mm, are there gonna be more of them? Nah, nah. I was just, I was pointing out to, to Razi, like what was here, and I actually like read a pamphlet about this when I was at Garmin's house. Oddly enough, uh, now obviously Asher's house, but. Rogothrell and you. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward undulations. A Thorgothrell story. <laughs> so, uh, shall we push through? I'll go first. Alright, well, opening up the hatch and heading back down into the um, maintenance hatch underneath. Uh, that take takes you back down to uh, a room full of the lights in here are still flashing red, but there are um, dilapidated corpses of irradiated dead that at this point look like not, not much more than skeletons in like crumbled suits. Um, and there's a couple passages you didn't go down. There's the uh, bodies themselves, and then uh, one of them appears to be clutching uh, some kind of device. The type of device that would benefit from a knowledge engineering role? It might be. Tarazi will crouch down and take a peek. I'm happy to also take a little look at you. Oh, boating well. First roll of the character is a natural six. 
So we're looking at a dirty 20. I have a 24 with a natty 3. Well, look. Luckily for both of you, this is a, a fairly easy to locate I- or identify item. It's a small pod-shaped device that um, emits a bright red flash from a dome on top of it once every six seconds, and the room is kind of mimicking that flash with its interior lighting. This is an emergency beacon. Didn't we find one of these before? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. The Pokeball-looking thing that you can turn on that flashes. Yeah, now this is another one of those guys, and it looks like this one is has been activated and has been flashing signaling to maybe like a device that detects some kind of signal like so, yeah. uh, a dot this might represented be represented on a mm-hmm. doodad yeah like if Brixby whips his uh, little Geiger not Geiger kind of our uh, <laughs> thing out is it pointing directly at this yeah yeah this is the source of the signal Is there anything unique about it at all? Um, it looks like just like the ship's emergency systems have been kind of interconnected with it, so they're boosting its signal and that that's what's making the lights in the room flash, uh, but it appears to just be a normal emergency beacon. How do we turn it off? Uh, I wonder why these guys switchy do on it. only just now turned it on because I'm assuming they've been here and animated for like thousands of years, right? Or maybe it was turned on you know, before they landed yeah. while they were getting ready to crash right? And like or after they crashed and if yeah. there were survivors. Well, because um, uh, didn't though uh, Hellion or the people that some of the ones that were with Hellion, I think maybe the uh, Darkstalkers leader who I can't think of her name uh, said that like it hadn't been picking a signal up when he had it. Hmm. Is that the case? Is that what Taterface's people said? Yeah, um, they didn't say, indeed say that it just suddenly started flashing after a rainstorm one day. And huh. you'd, you'd have no way to know this within the game, but a careful student of the intros to Pot Against the Machine may have noticed an intro where a mudslide occurred after a rainstorm, revealing the ship, which shifted mm. just enough of the matter that was blocking the signal and allowed it to escape. There we go. Yeah. And it's Sky all metal. because of erosion. Sky metal. Yeah, sky metal erosion. to erosion, yeah. <laughs> no. We take sky metals away from erosions on this yeah. podcast. Plant native plants. Yeah, no, we give sky metal um, erosion and Sam's going to bury one of just characters again and use the skull on it. <laughs> Is there anything functional on these what look like computer terminals that could we access them and you know get useful things like ship logs, Unity secrets? Um, it doesn't look like there are any usable terminals here. Um, everything's kind of destroyed except for the emergency signal. There is um, a door over to the right before it's collapsed and just flooded a little farther to the right and then um, everything else appears to be collapsed and then yeah, that's what we got. 
so that corridor on the left and then doesn't have anything in it. Right, it corridor to it's the a left. Painful memories. Just ends in uh, water. Okay. And it's like not a door. It's like an open situation. Which is this like this guy right here? Oh, uh, that's a door. Oh, it's like a closed door. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bricks is gonna check with Perceptive to see if there is any situation going on. Um, I'm also going to cast shield and mage armor. I should say that out loud, but it's basically a given every day at this point. It's a 25. High tech, mechanical, etc. Um, well, there seems to be something vaguely high tech or mechanical on the other side. Is you think you can hear like the kind of crackling of exposed electricity, like a broken circuit or something. Mm. I remember this from Under Torch. I got zapped, right? That was the one that had the zappy do in it, or mm-hmm. was it a different one? No, that was it. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. proved Bricks was faster than Lightning. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it wants a rematch. Is the Does the door seem locked? No. All right. Is there anything I can do about this with, like, a knowledge engineering, um, possibly with my engineering-inclined snake friend? I mean, it doesn't seem like the door itself is trapped or dangerous. It just seems like there's some kind of arcing electricity in the room beyond. Um, I hear the crackling sound of lightning electricity on the other side. So uh, it's not it's not the door. He demonstrates by touching the door and not getting home alone. Um, I lied. And it's not even locked. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm just going to dies um <laughs> don't trust your gm uh, see that merch before christmas in our store i'm lying cut that out um and i'm going to so do we want to open the door open the door i'm gonna open it and step to the side and look in Cracking open this door reveals a fairly plain steel room containing several metal cupboards lining each wall and a few simple, like, control panels in the middle that looks like they're designed to manipulate something. Um, Of course, the documentation is lacking from this perspective. But standing in this room... Am I on the right layer? I'm on the right layer. There's a table. Well, behind the table is an orange ball that clackers clack I can speak so well that crackles and arcs with electricity as it undulates in your general direction <laughs> we love More an undulation, undulation. is it an awkward or a, a deft undulation is it like a <laughs> skillful you call a standard undulation? undulation this is a pretty um, deft undulation I would say it's one of the defter undulations <laughs> like can you can you blow it up in a scary way? Go ahead and scare us, Sam. Ah, is that like a bird? Um, Just yeah, messed up. <laughs> in the art, oh, there man. is a bird trapped inside this little undulating do. <laughs> Oddly, Clarence. It is. This is what? Clarence's final form. <laughs> what did they do to you, Clarence? <laughs> um, so, what do we got for initiatives? 
How about Brixby first? Oh no, why me? Because you came out at top at the top of the tracker. Let me even that out with a seven for a fourteen. All right. How about Tarazi? Uh, a slower fourteen. Really moving up in the world with these rolls. And Kira. That's a twenty-five for once. And Alwyn. Alwyn got a thirteen for a twenty. All right. I won't read this creature's um, initiative out loud yet. I'll save it as a surprise for later. <laughs> Kira is up first. Well, Kira doesn't know what this thing is and typically waits for her friends to sort of uh, guide her actions, but it's been a rough couple weeks, so she's going to dive right on in and try and hit it with a chainsaw. Uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. As you come in with the chainsaw, is that the only technological device that Kira has on her person? Oh, jeez. Uh... Give There's me one the second. Clip, isn't there? Isn't doesn't the gravity clip use uh, battery? Yes, gravity. And clip. the filter mask. And the filter All mask. All right. And I think that's. All right. So I'm oh. gonna roll a a d6. One, two, chainsaw. Three, four, gravity clip. Five, six, filter mask. Oh God! Don't take the chainsaw from me. It's all I have. That's uh, a two, so this oh, no. is going to be the chainsaw. I need I a fortitude said. save out of the chainsaw. How do I even <laughs> do that? Uh, magical items, which the chainsaw is, get a fortitude save bonus of like 15 plus the caster level. Or no, the bonus is like five plus the caster level added to their fortitude save. Or they can use the fortitude save of the bearer, which is almost certainly better. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, that's so much lower. That's a dirty 20. The chainsaw battery dies. Okay. So as you're as you are approaching this thing and like get within 10 feet of it, just like the life of the chainsaw just and it's it's just a board with no yapping chihuahuas on it. Can I still use the chainsaw? Um, I don't have stats for unactivated chainsaw, but I guess we could basically call it a club, yeah. Uh, let's see. This happens as I'm coming into the room, so what I may be, is she able to adapt quickly enough to drop that and swap to another weapon as part of the yeah, move action? Yeah, you could still do it. You didn't have to use your whole um, move action to get, like, 15 feet. I guess I'll grab some other thing. God, what do I even have? Lucy and Ethel. Yeah. 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 I mean, yes, that was a that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> uh, let's bust out Ethel and try again. All right, that's better. That's an eighteen plus an eighteen for thirty-six. Yeah, that sounds right. Always looking to Jeff for confirmation. <laughs> Uh, that will hit the Uzi friend here. Okay, and this gets a... Uh... Let me just switch weapons real quick. Uh, 22 points of, like, slashing damage, I guess. Ugh, I feel naked. 
Well, it seems to hurt it normal, at least. But it's it's a beefy blob. Um, pretty sure I can still roll to demoralize as long as it's a creature capable of being demoralized. Um, nope, Zach is saying no. Hey, you're free to try, but it's a blob. <laughs> Blobs ain't scared. I'll try because I have a solid intimidate. Ooh, and that's a natural one, so it doesn't really matter that my intimidate is a <laughs> super high. Eh, 19. Oh, it's down without the chainsaw. That hurts me. Um, does a 20 do anything to demoralize it? Does it matter if it does a 20 matter if it got to, if I got a natural one here? Um, well, it doesn't matter, period, because it's blob and it doesn't have a mind. Fair. But right. um, uh, you're striking it with with a sword. Yeah. A metal, metal thing. Yep, sure I am. Um, well, electricity travels up that metal thing, and you take pretty nice 22 points of electricity damage as you get shocked by the arcing currents coming off of the orange blob. I'll use my last chunk of time to say, don't hit it with metal! And that's my turn. All right. Alwyn, get in there and melee with your bow staff. Got this. If anything can hurt this dumb thing. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. I have new spells, uh, which are definitely going to be good against an ooze. It probably uh, has bones. It will in a little while if we don't do well. I can cast Life Bubble on that. <laughs> through my newer stuff. Uh, oh, wait. Uh... That's a fun one. Uh, let me see if... Oh, I, I don't know if I can stand anywhere where I can see it. Uh, I don't think I can, no. So I started here, so the only thing I can really do is move uh, five feet to my right to stand next to uh, Tarazi, and that's pretty much the extent of what he can do. Uh, I can cast haste on Tarazi and uh, Bricks if they want it. Uh, and they would get Kira too because they're 30 feet away. Okay. So like I did. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, it just that's, yeah, it doesn't that's right. Haste doesn't need a... Uh... Stoked. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, then I will do that so everybody is hasted. Keep on your haste. Alright. Tarazi, first turn. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure to the large sword-wielding person who just watched a melee hit go poorly. Uh, however, uh, we'll see how this goes. Tarazi will walk into the room a bit, five feet to the north, five feet then to the east, drawing as he does so a uh, large not large size, but it's a big honking, absurd-looking longbow off his back. Uh, looks like it's maybe made of some sort of horn. Uh, and he will uh, just take a single shot with it. Uh, pulling it back looks like it takes a hysterical amount of force. So hopefully it hits. Uh, that is a 
Uh, a 23. Yeah, that'll hit it. Okay. Uh, that is 14 points of mundane damage. All right. All seems to be going through on this thing, and you don't get a little shock for your troubles, but um, tell me about these technological items that Tarazi might have on his person. Uh, yeah, he doesn't. What right. uh, what knowledge would it be? Is it another Dungeonero on this thing? It is. It is the That's old Dungeroo. Bummer. Probably should have taken a rank of that. Maybe next level if he's still alive. That would be the end of the turn then. Alright, Brixby, who should have technically gone first, probably, but that's not what the sword descending did. You're up. He's a gentle rat. He is fine to defer, so he'll uh, step in, and he's going to roll his own dungeon hero. So 17 for a 31. Yeah, you're looking at a capacitor ooze. These are something of an organic battery and um, they were long thought to have been developed by technologists or mad scientists and have long since escaped captivity and infest the hinterlands of Numeria. They uh, seek out sources of electricity, consuming them like other creatures would food. Maintaining vigor and growth requires regular consumption of organic material as well, of course. A capacitor ooze that's denied power or food can begin to starve. Uh, They grow without bounds, splitting only from damage or misfortune. When they encounter others of their kind, they often merge if left undisturbed, uh, creating a giant version of the same. Luckily, this one hasn't apparently merged with anything. With a 31, let's see what you got. Uh, You do only get one question. Anybody feel strongly about anything? Because um, I don't want to meta too much, but like usually ooze defenses are usually like are just kind of it's a news. Yeah. Whereas like special attacks or qualities might be a little bit more interesting. Yeah, and I don't think that's meta gaming. Our characters have met enough oozes to know they all have pretty much the same strengths and weaknesses. So it would make more sense. Like we just saw it turn off Curious Chainsaw. Asking about special attacks or that kind of thing would make more sense in universe. <laughs> All right, uh, we will go with, I guess, special attacks then. All right, it, well, it's only got one special attack, but it is a good one. It's melee slam attack is charged with electricity that has a sort of destructive resonance that when it hits you, it um, can mess up the electrical impulses in your brain temporarily, causing, um, Horrible, potentially, effects should it affect you. So you don't yeah. you don't want to touch it, basically. You don't want to let it touch you. That makes sense. And I guess I must have messed up the electrical impulses in my brain because it has a dis- some sort of discharging aura and it also does electricity if it hits you. So it clearly has some more defenses than just being a news. But we've seen them, so, you know, whatever. It's still a good use. Uh, Okay, so with that, Brixby's going to do something that he pretty much never does. He's going to cast a spell from his opposition school, which means 
Um, he's going to do this with uh, tricky spells, so he's not going to do the verbal or somatic component. And I need you to roll a will save as some of the water kind of side Brixby comes into the air and comes into the room and starts wrapping the capacitor ooze and freezes. A will save, you say? Sorry, a reflex save. I'm gonna need a reflex okay. save. So I was gonna say yeah. this thing with its functional mind that it has. Um, pretty good roll, pretty bad bonus. How does an 18 sound? That is a fail. So you um, failed your save against the icy prison. Um, you're helpless, but you can still breathe. Um, you are wrapped in uh, ice, which is uh, as thick. Uh, it's one inch per caster level. Since I have a negative level, it's 10 inches thick. Um, you can break out with a successful strength check, which is DC 15 plus my caster level. So a DC 25 strength check, you can break out. Otherwise, you kind of have to bash your way out, which uh, we can get to. Let's see, the ice has a hardness zero and three. Uh, yeah, so it would be 30 something hit points um, to break out. So it can either bash out with 30 hit points or break out with a DC 25 strike check. All right, that's pretty mean to it. And uh, that's my turn. Oh, wait, I, I guess I just say, don't let it hit you. Don't let it hit you. And um, I think it's gonna, it's gonna try to bash its way out. It's just gonna slam up against the sides of its icy prison. Um, that is a 22 to hit the walls around it. You definitely do. All right, now for standard slam damage, that is 15. Plus, plus 13 electricity damage. That is not enough to get out, but it still holds. Now it cracks and it's very thin, but you are in there. And uh, you're also gonna take 10 points of cold damage, if you take it. Um, all right, it, it seems like it's a cold thing in there. Pretty effective little prison you've got this guy in. Can we hit the prison? I just, I, I realize you may have just said that and I missed it. That, uh, no. Like, it's in there. This is kind of a, like, maybe we could pull back and assess. Uh, like, you could maybe get a ranged weapon. We could stand out of its whatever. You could get a new battery inside of your chainsaw at the very least. But, like, this is kind of a, like, we could, it's going to be helpless for at least another round. So we have a, a moment to sort of reset. Sorry if that screws your mojo up. Um, just trying to think. I'm not sure if Kira's in reset mode. Ah, she's not raging. She's fine. I mean, you're totally welcome to stay too and just like have a readied action to hit it when it breaks free. Like, um, which it will do on its turn, and then you would be able to hit it again mm -hmm. on its next turn. On your turn, which would follow that, if that makes sense. Yep, yeah. So. All right, I'm going to use this turn then to 
Sam, what is your thought on a Lucerne Hammer composition? Like, it looks all the pictures I've seen of metalhead and then, like, wooden handily bit. Yeah, that seems reasonable. A wooden shaft on that. Then I'm going to take this opportunity to... I would like to step back, put away the Ethel, and take out Lucy. Can I do all of that in this turn? Um, yeah, you can do those both as move actions. Uh, then you can't ready an action to attack. Um, if you drop Ethel, you could um, step back, draw Lucy, and ready an attack. So Let's it's up drop to you Ethel. Which one you want to do? Let's drop Ethel. We'll just pick them up. They won't, they won't fall through the, the grates. Yeah, just a growing pile of weapons. We'll take a step back. <laughs> um, draw yet another weapon, and this time I'm going to rage because I forgot that's a thing that I can do. And that will be my turn. It'd be a bummer if this thing had martial weapon proficiency. <laughs> just like just picked them up. Yeah, I'd, it I would charges hurt. up the chainsaw, and it's worse than ever before. All right, um, Alwyn. Uh, remind me because I was definitely paying attention the last two times this thing was hit by a sword. Uh, was it the slashing damage that was the issue, or was it the fact that it was a metal weapon? Yeah, I don't metal think that weapon. anybody did a, a knowledge no, check, but okay. it, yeah, I guess no one did it. With you're a guest, I guess, based on the thing that Sam told me, but no one did a thing. I was gonna say I have something that is does a sort of bludgeoning. It's bludgeoning, piercing, but it's also made of metal, so I don't know if it's going to be helpful or not uh but i, I think, think for the right... best thing you could do is hit it with a lightning bolt personally yeah i think i still have like one or two of those in that wand uh you all did Alwyn is going to move uh 10 feet to his uh right here or just kind of scooch past brixby so we can actually see into this room and you know what? He is going to draw his uh, adamantine morning star, and he is going to cast one of his new spells. And you hear this like weird, like really unsettling cracking sound as his arms both just suddenly like stretch down to his waist or like to his knees almost as he casts long arm on himself. Vargo special. <laughs> yeah, but it's way creepier when it's done with someone with actual, like, flesh arms. <laughs> it's not Inspector Gadget this time. Yeah. It's just a horror movie. Inspector Flesh. <laughs> oh, gross. It's basically that scene from uh, that dumb movie with the angel protecting the people in the bar where the ice cream guy shows up and his arms stretch out. I can't think of the movie. The Lion King, yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, and that will be his entire turn. All right, Tarazi. Yeah, Tarazi's just going to ready uh, to fire an arrow at this capacitor ooze uh, should it break free of its icy prison. And uh, Brixbow. Um, I am going to. 
ready to cast a scorching ray when it inevitably breaks out of its icy prison. Which brings us to it. It's going to try to slam that icy prison. Uh, what happens when you roll a natural one while you're encased in ice? Ice <laughs> it gets just sick. fails. It? I guess. I guess. I don't really know. I mean, it like slips. I I'd almost be willing to say that like if you could still probably hit it, but I don't know. Maybe it like slurpaborps in there a little bit and like slipadoos inside of the ice, like a yeah. I think it just kind of screws it up and wheel. can't really get the good momentum for a smash. Well, uh, darn. Right. Still, still yep. I assume ten more cold damage. Yep, ten more cold damage. All right, yeah. and. Is everybody basically doing the same thing as last time? Can I pick up a weapon and also ready in action? Yeah. Just start mm-hmm. putting those away. I'll put away the chainsaw first. All right. And Alloin. Alloin is... Oh, if I go just... If I go diagonal, I'm going to be blocking Brixby's view in case there's anything he wants to cast on it. Uh, I mean, it's a little soft cove between friends. Okay. Uh, in that case, Alowin will kind of step up diagonally to his left to stand in between Kira and Tarazi, where he is uh, 10 feet away from this thing, and he will ready to smack it with his uh, little morning star if it uh, makes its way out of the ice. All right. Do you have any um, technological items on you? Uh, probably. I know I definitely have the mask. Let me see if I have any other tech here. That might be the only thing I have this tech. Uh, yes, it is. Just the mask. All right. Give me a fortitude save. That is a three on the die. So that is a nine. All right. The mask is depleted. Okay. Hopefully this thing doesn't spew poison gas at us. <laughs> and, uh, Tarazi. Uh, again, just readying. And, uh, muscles. Bur- I'm just imagining <laughs> the muscles bulging with that insane draw that you were describing. It's like a really high composite bow, I imagine. Uh, it is a humorously high uh, com- strength rating on this or cord bow. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bricks is going to continue to ready, um, I suppose. Although, I don't like, is there a better? I don't know. I don't have. Nah, it's good. Let's just still ready to scorch you doodle. But I'll be the last in the ready pile. All right, which brings us back around to negative two on initiative, which is where the capacitor oozes. I forgot to reveal that before. Um, Made him wait for it. This time it manages to roll a seven on the die, so it actually can hit its um, icy prison. But can it do two damage? Um, Well, yeah, it can do 17 damage with the slam before we even get into electricity. It breaks out. All right, it's free. It's so happy. Loose. <laughs> it's, it's so happy. Oh, we no. all just curb stomp it. 
I mean, I guess it would, it's, I, I, I don't think it's a full round action because it's just an attack because the full round action is a strength check. So you could still technically move. Well, okay. a, but it does trigger every ready action <laughs> yeah. uh, in the room as it breaks out. So uh, let's go <laughs> in initiative order and start with Kira's attack. Okay, gonna work with the hammer. Ooh, that's a natural 20 as compensation for getting electrocuted that one time. Oh, and it's a different game, so we have to confirm that. Oh, never mind, because apparently one of those things that we all know about oozes is something about crits not working. No criticals, no sneaks. Yeah, because they don't have any parts. Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, There's nowhere special to hit them. That makes sense. Can't flank them. But it is a hit. Uh, Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take that. Uh, shoot. Uh, I think it's 2d6. Yes. Oh, two sixes. That's a solid, solid uh, turn. 12 plus 21 is 33. 1, 2, 2, 1, 3, 3. 33. Yeah, I'm right, getting nods from the rest of the cat. Right uh, now, about Tarazi or Alowitz next. It's amazing. Uh, plus six to his melee attack. <laughs> Hold that in. Uh, oh, but that's a twenty, uh, which doesn't matter because it's. But at least it means I'm probably going to hit. Assuming a twenty-six still hits this thing, it's an ooze, so I'm assuming it does. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. And that is. It is a one d eight minus two. That's fun. <laughs> Uh, so that is two points of uh, adamantine bludgeoning and piercing. All right. Now, the funny thing about a uh, morning star that is adamantine is it is metal. So the yep. shock of I electricity. I to find out what horrible thing this is going to happen. Oh, yeah, just the shock. I'm still yeah. hurting it, at least. Um, only 10 electrical damage travels up Alwyn's arm and just gives him a little bit of a toast. So five electrical damage. Mean. And uh, Tarazi. Uh, yeah, that's a 25. That will also hit. You're going for AC5. Okay, I feel better about that then. Uh, that's only 13 as he finally is able to release this string and it just hurls this arrow at this absurd little ooze. Must have been getting a little bit tired. Still, it's it's looking hurt. It's like the schlorps are sadder schlorps. And uh, Brixby, little sc- right. scorchy doodle action. Yeah, from behind the soft cove into melee, but it's versus an ooze's touch. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a 14 off the die for a 22. Yeah, you're looking for AC five. <laughs> Let me just roll one more. Um, because sadly, I still have a negative level until tomorrow where this would be three rays, which I cannot wait for. Um, and yeah, that's one better uh, with a 15 off the die. So that is a four, two, five, one for a 12, and then a nine on the other one with a couple of snake eyes. All right, not the greatest rolls in the history of the world. That's no. the bad news. 
Uh, the good news is uh, this thing's turn is over, so now the entire party gets to wail on it in earnest. Um, Izzy, Kira is up. Can I? A hasted turn. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was going to ask. All right, let's see. First attack. Ooh, not good. That's a three on the dice plus a 21 for a 24. Oh, yeah, but you said that. Five. Five. <laughs> Seven, 28. Let's uh, take bludgeoning damage. All right. Um, second one. Better. 16 plus... Looking down, <laughs> dang it, 16 plus 18. Phew, caught her that time, thank God. Um, 16, 18. It's like 30. It's blend. Four. Oh, it's higher than a five. You knew all this math, he's gonna reveal we had like four health. <laughs> Um, that's 30 bludgeoning. Wow. And the last one. Wait a second. Have we had this discussion before? I get four attacks now? This is so exciting. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Level you didn't 11. move. You get three, and haste gives you an extra, so yeah. <sighs> and don't Love forget haste. the extra one is back at your original uh, bonus again. <laughs> well, no, you get... The two haste ones at your full bonus, and then one at minus five and one at minus ten. That one's minus five, one's minus ten, okay. Um, that was a 17 on the die, so again, a high number. Uh, five, 26 damage, and then back to my original attack. Well, the bonus. bad news is you don't get to roll that extra attack, because that's oh, the end was... of... <laughs> So of the capacitor ooze, which had 195 HP and still <laughs> didn't get to even attack one time. <laughs> Can't wait for the capacitor ooze. Couple times. Yeah, defensive shocks. Poor capacitor ooze. I'm serious. The next, if there's another floor of the ship, it's just going to be nothing but oozes. It's oozes. What happens all the when way we down. deny you? Exactly. <laughs> when we don't give you your action economy. Yeah. Then we find out who's the boss. It's going to make us fight that elder god that's the source of all oozes. What is that, like a Tony ooze? Who's the guy from, who's the boss? Tony something? Tony Danza. Tony Danza. Yeah, Tony Danza ooze. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's that's ooze ooze the boss. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. Uh, Tarazi will sheath his... uh, or cornbow and uh, draw his normal complement of weapons, which is a heavy shield and his bastard sword. As he looks around at this room, was, did you describe panels of some kind? I mean, the, that yellow table in the center appears to be like a fairly simple control panel. All this is happening here is going to pick up the last of her weapons and put a new battery into the chainsaw. Oh, uh, the chainsaw actually got so oozed up that it just broke forever. Oh, I wish you'd told me earlier. Got the hopes all up. So oozy. (laughs) Uh, 
Nah, it's like WD-40 in there. That thing is humming. If I was supposed to use peanut butter, just sort of. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's for the chihuahuas. That's to keep them docile. <laughs> but it's the it's the ooze that really keeps it running with the sound of of Jello going through a car wash. That's the secret of the ooze. Ah yes. So did assume Ivan Ooze had nothing on his body, so I will join my snake friend and a possible engineering role. Okay, you can do engineering role to check out this panel here. Gotta well I'll just stop there. <laughs> I rolled in roll twenty and it was an eighteen for a thirty-nine. The like headband has really pushed it into wild territory. Well, with uh, 39, I think Brixby immediately realizes that there is in a, there are three emergency releases in here, one for each of the bays above, including the bay that that uh, escape pod was stuck in. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I wish I had that feet. What is it? Like something planner? where like you can have anything under a hundred gold in your bag if you have enough downtime. Oh, it's like yeah. I, I can't remember. Yeah, because anyway. like this is when I would produce, I would unlock the escape pod <laughs> and I would turn around and say, pulling out a bottle of champagne. It's time to christen our new ship. Oh, uh, we, there's a smaller ship in the larger ship. It's sort of a shipception situation upstairs. Tarasi nods as though he comprehends that concept. <laughs> y'all, y'all want to go see a ship about a ship? Let's do it. Yep. Follows along There's with the his, um, eight more minutes of weird long arm. <laughs> <laughs> the doors, like the pocket doors shut on them. <laughs> He's just gummy. He's like, what's uh, his name from One Piece? I know the name. Monkey Luffy. D. Luffy. I got it. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so you flip these releases and you can hear like the ship like shuddering with some kind of effort as metal uh, grinds and water sloshes up above you somewhere. So theoretically, the launch is free. Uh, all right, well, let's go upstairs. Let's uh, let's head up to the uh, the ship, shall we? Other than the emergency beacon, did it look like these radiation radiated dead had anything of value on them? Good question. Um, yeah, it looks like they they do have some stuff on them. A uh, couple things that might require some engineering rolls, maybe maybe a magical item. Ooh, Ooh. bricks will roll a one, and I have a chance. <laughs> Having a real matter. No, no, no. I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I felt really good about a 29, and you rolled a 39, and it's like, yeah, I'll just. Well, there are a couple rolls, so we can each roll one of them. Fortunately, that's only a six on my spellcraft rate. 26, Sam. Um, let me look up. How ridiculously high that one skill is. I'm looking at everything else. It's like plus one, plus six, plus four, plus five, plus 20. Plus 20. <laughs> yeah. So one of these skeletons um, 
was wearing around one of its arm, like this scarred and worn armband that clearly, like, he'd been wearing it a while, and uh, it was constructed of some kind of coarse leather, leather and fastened with a thick leather strap. Uh, the, this is a set of armbands of the brawler, which grant the wearer a plus one competence bonus on grapple, on grapple checks and checks to break a grapple. That might be interesting for Kira, because I assume she doesn't have anything in the armband slot, right? You don't have, like, gloves or bracers or anything? Those are wrist slots. Yeah, wrist wrist slot. slot. Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't think of what it was called. Do you have bracers of any type? Um, Yeah, do you have anything? Uh, I don't think so, right? I think Alowin might be the only person that has anything, because he's got a brace of armor. Yeah, Kira is the most leather daddy out of our group, too, with the chainsaw yeah. and the tiny leather hat that came with it. So. She's constantly, constantly being grappled, so that's like the perfect. <laughs> being true. grappled pretty often. Okay, so uh, just feels on brand. Alwyn's going to uh, yank these off of this radioactive zombie <laughs> <laughs> and hand them to Kira and say, "I think this." should help you with like grabbing and wrestling people or maybe getting them off you when they wrestle you either or and he'll hand them over yeah and she'll look down at them and look up at Halloween and then at Brixby and be like are you sure I okay think you make the most sense out of everybody here you're always right up in front fighting people with your hands I'll try them out and see what happens Thanks. Um, and it, it should be noted that these um, things, like basically the skeletons or zombies themselves, crumbled to pretty much nothing in, in their spacesuits. So mm-hmm. it's just the suits lying there with whatever they had yeah. on them, basically. Yeah, I um, think technically, isn't that what like all undead do by like the lore of the game? Like they like yeah. crumble to dust, you know? Unless there's somebody special like Hetuath and they come back. Um, and then let's see what else uh, so you find on one of them a gray key card very fancy oh, nice have we um, seen that color yet no 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 that's so. higher yeah our like last one was green I think mm-hmm. I know the first one was brown and then it was yeah, black and then it was black or a green yeah and it and it also clearly follows the like karate belt system so <laughs> Kidding. Except but, I think black like is like reverse. the worst. <laughs> the second yeah, it's worst. like in reverse. Well, also, yeah, right? also yeah. in worst brown purple. is like the third highest. <laughs> also, that's also yeah, so it's like one. descending. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, uh, so let's see. You got the key card. Uh, the ruined spacesuits themselves look like they would be useless as actual armor, but uh, they're probably worth some money, each of them. Uh, especially to people interested in Numerian ruin sort of thing, because despite their poor condition, they're artifacts of days gone by. And then one of them, you can see, since his body basically dissolved into nothing, there is this set of cybernetic tendons, which, did we get a an engineering role on that? Uh, do you want to go first? I did mine on that. Uh, yeah, mine was a two on the dice, so it just 
Doesn't matter. <laughs> I got a, a 29. Well, you recognize a set of Wirejack Tendons Mark One. Wirejack tendons are a cybernetic implant that not only strengthen and enhance existing reflexes, but also enhance the transmission of nerve impulses to the surrounding musculature. Once installed, Wirejack tendons grant an enhancement bonus to dexterity. Uh, in the case of a Mark I, the um, enhancement bonus is a plus two to dexterity. So no. if you want to become a cyborg, that just became available to you. Is that so? Is this something we'd have to go to a like a lab for, like one of those cybernetic labs or something? Yeah, you probably have to go to a cybernetics lab, which you did blow up the only labs you know of. But, <laughs> but yes. um, theoretically, were you to find or construct a lab and uh, do find someone who could do um, a su- substantial enough craft check, you could surgically implant these in someone to give them a plus two dexterity. Cool. Leapers. These uh, these can be put inside your body to make you more dexterous, uh, adept, jumping and leaping and running. But we'd need special equipment and uh, skills. I don't think any of us have just yet. But we can hold on to them. And that that looks like that's all the interesting stuff on these particular fellows. Folks object to me holding on to the access card. There wasn't like a med lab or anything on the uh, ship under the torch, right? I don't think so. Yeah. Darn. Nothing really yeah. functional enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only one we found was the one that was haunted, so we had to pull that up. It seems unfair to us. Yeah. But they, it's fine. We'll find another one. Yeah. I'm sure. And, and like, it we won't couldn't be even use them. <laughs> right. We couldn't even use them if we could. Um, so that would honestly be good for any character, probably. Um, if it was, if, if Astro was still with us, it would be a clear answer. But we can worry about that when we find the means. Um, good, good call again, Jeff, on not just marching past those creatures that we left in sadness. Um, so up to our ship. Let's go see it. Well, you climb back up out of the hole, um, out of the maintenance hatch, and into the underwater section of the ship, which you can now see, like, the three bays at the back of this room have opened themselves up with like slant big slanted almost cellar doors and like you can see out of the ship into the the river beyond so the way is basically clear and you've got a ship sitting in front of you in one of the bays it is bigger than it looks on this little map so it's big enough for everybody to fit inside how do you ship so it's not just like a Zodiac raft like it is in the picture. <laughs> Are we doing like an Enjinero? Uh, do we have an enable device we could roll? Yeah, what's everybody's piloting <laughs> skill? Yeah, we're going back to Starfinder, so I'm going to need a piloting check. Um, but I think engineering, really, uh, to get this bad boy started. Handle animal. 
<laughs> Hopefully, there's keys under the, you know. Yeah, behind the, the visor. The, the yeah, somebody visor. left them in the sun visor. Oh, spizer. Now I have to check if I actually have a DC for starting this thing, or if I have to make one up. Really, it's a ride check. It's basically a horse. <laughs> All right. So, what do we have for engineering rolls? I rolled a two for a twenty-three. Anybody around to help Brixby as he struggles to uh, figure out this Numerian device? I got three times his roll and much lower total result. I rolled a six for a 15. Uh, Tarazi has a 27. Ooh, nice. Well, I think Tarazi is the one who figures out how to actually get this thing to spring to life as the various lights and... Um, displays on the console kind of fire up and um, the whole thing kind of starts to hum with electricity as it lifts slightly off the bottom of the uh, ship and it looks like the controls are, everything's written in Androffin but I think most if not all of you can read it and it it looks fairly self-explanatory to propel this thing. It doesn't appear to really have the capacity to go um, up or navigate like, like it's flying but it looks like it can uh, traverse the surface and you can control speed and you can brake and all that and steer and all that stuff. So it's like a hover car? It, it's basically How? a hover car, yeah. Cool. Oh, it's like the uh, like the Nebuchadnezzar from uh, Matrix. <laughs> Tight. Yeah. So uh, we hop in. Uh, actually, before we hop in. So, like, uh, there was a reason why Brixby rolled it, too. Like... It is, it's what, like the 30th of Rova? Um, right? It's like right near the end of Rova. Um, yeah, it's the 30th of Rova. And I'm wondering where you're going so, with this. Like, uh, <laughs> so um, like three nights ago, um, after Asher's funeral, Brixby is like flashing back to this in his mind. Three nights ago, it was Asher's funeral, and because we missed the Swallowtail Festival on the Autumn Equinox, um, which specifically has uh, an element for followers of Asher's deity of exchanging lucky tokens, um, Brixby picks a flower at the base of Asher's, um, where he's laid, and uh, he takes his uh, silver around his neck and he shaves a little bit off with uh, his tail blade and puts it down on Asher's ire. And uh, he takes that flower and he stuffs it behind the visor in the ship. And he turns to everyone and says, we should call it the Hylic. I think so too. I agree that's a very good name and a very good tribute. Kira looks expectantly at Tarazi. Yes, this seems good to me, too. Feed a flower to the ship. Indeed. (laughs) I believe that's what it eats. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> no, you're actually great with engineering. So no, I, I, I take that back. But anyway, that is the, the, in lieu of a champagne bottle to break upon its mighty hull, um, we give it a dainty little flower that looks like a cowboy hat. It only grows in torch. <laughs> Just an alien mutated flower, no big whoop. It's the Asher Aster. I was going to say, <laughs> looks like uh, pl- it's plant friend, like a little mini version of that, with, complete with the hat. It's like the sticker. Yeah, you see a little, it zooms in and it has a little smile. But you can't see it because it's behind the visor. That's true. It's like the so end of the little shop of words. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little dramatic irony for you. But, but as Tarazi gets this thing fired up after... Um, You've christened it the Halic and and hidden a, a flower behind the visor in Asher's memory. I think just like with a, a little tap on the accelerator, basically, the, the button that means go, this thing launches like a rocket and just shoots up out of the tunnel and or out of the, the hatch in the ship and goes into the free water where it's not really designed to navigate through the water at all so it's kind of bobbing and bouncing around which is not comfortable to feel but it's moving upward and eventually like after like several disconcerting seconds i think of of not really being able to tell exactly where you're going because it's dark underwater um it pops out of the surface and this sort of vibrating like energy field underneath it like catches the surface of the water and suspends it there so it's like floating above the the surface of the water and like you can almost see how it's using like some strange force to press down on the ground below it and just hover like six inches off of the ground and you all have a hovercraft I would have told you to take my space butterfly from my cold dead hands, <laughs> but I guess you are released from service now. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is so cool. So I think as um, you what hover in the halic. Oh, uh, what was that? I said, what do we fuel this with? Uh, it, it has some kind of built-in power source. It's weird. Okay, awesome. Runs on hand wavium. Always sure does. As you um, hover here uh, above the surface of the river, flying in a way that people in, in Galarian really don't fly ever. I'm going to bed. Night, Sam. Night, Sam. Night, spaceship. Good night, Sam. Night, spaceship. Night, Sam. Yeah. Good night, Halek so nice to be out of space so that you can actually get there. Property of Network Against the Machine LLC, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path are property of ISO Publishing. See their website for more details. Theme Against the Machine was written and performed by your own Zach. 
see the show notes for additional music and sound licensing. If you enjoyed the show, we encourage you to leave us a review. Perfect. There we go. Waveforms, wavy, wavy, wavies, wavos, formeros. Oh, that is the perfect first boundary roll. <laughs> Just saw a giant pink die appear on my screen and roll onto a one. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> it's fan. I rolled a one. Oh, wait, I could also put soundboard on this thing. No, that would be so annoying. I should not have a button that plays the I had a sheep, but he died. Oh, that that was awesome. I want it back because <laughs> I'm pretty I sure I know what that is. So I want it back. <laughs> you couldn't see it because I was on the wrong layer. Now you can see it. I know how to use roll 20 on this. The last day we use roll 20 <laughs> ever. <laughs>